know, before Scott got ready to leave on his sabbatical, the elders got together and uh, three of them decided that we were going to preach four Sundays. You get that? Three of them decided. So uh, they came up with this sermon series called Oldies But Goodies. And every time I look at that, I think, are they talking about us? You know, and hopefully we are, uh, we, we are a little older as elders, and uh, hopefully we're good in God's eyes. It is a joy to serve the church uh, here as, as elders. But I want to, um, I, I have a little disclaimer this morning, and let me get this thing right. I tell you, I don't do this, so... Um, I really don't want to be up here this morning, um, and I don't think that I'm very good at at speaking. My, my my tongue gets all tangled up. I get nervous. I, um, I I'm better at other things. I, uh, I I'm just not a good speaker. I I just wish that God would pick somebody else to do what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, you guys ever feel that way? I mean, really, when God calls you to do something, do you ever feel that way? Well, then I have a perfect message for you this morning, and it's called, What's Your Excuse? So I've kind of spilled my guts this morning and um, kind of told you how I feel. But I think we all have a lot of different excuses. You know, maybe it's, well, let's don't go to church this morning. It's so beautiful outside today. Why don't we go for a hike? You know, I can talk to God up on the mountain. Or maybe it's, you know, I don't know that I want to talk to anybody about Jesus. Because, I mean, what, what if they look down on me? Or what if, what if they don't like me anymore? Or maybe it's, you know, I don't want to go to that elders class on Sunday morning. Because you know what? They have that thing at 8 o'clock. Eight o'clock. I mean, Sunday's the only morning I get to sleep in. Or maybe it's, you know, I'm too old to serve in kid zone. I mean, what do I have to offer to those kids? Or what if I don't have enough money to tithe? I know I've been there. In years past, I would say, get to the end of the month and there was nothing there, and I'd just say, sorry, God. Or what about... I don't have to forgive that person. I mean, you don't know how much they've hurt me. I mean, they really hurt me, so why should I forgive them? And the list just goes on and on. Excuses are one of our greatest enemies. They can slow us down, and they can just keep us from doing any action at all. And many times they're born out of fear, like my fear of getting up here and feeling like I might not deliver a good message to the church family or just that fear of rejection. As I started thinking about my own fears, I started of just letting the church down and not delivering a good message. I started thinking about um, a powerful man in the in the Old Testament, and this is what this series is is all about. The oldies but goodies is not the elders; it's the stories from the Old Testament that the four of us have kind of picked as being 
something that was special to us or something that we felt could speak to everybody in today's world. And one person came to my mind, and that was Moses, a powerful man of God, the man who divided the Red Sea, who delivered the laws of the Old Testament, and the man that God chose to deliver the Egyptians out of bondage, or the Israelites out of the Egyptian bondage. Moses, who was one of the greatest men of God, was also full of excuses, just like you and me. You see, it was not Moses that was extraordinary. It was the God that he served that did extraordinary things through Moses. When God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, he had a special job for him to do. Moses was called to lead the children out of Egypt. Now, being the great Bible character that we know Moses to be, we would have thought that he would have just said, okay, God, I'll see you on the other side of the Red Sea. But it didn't really go that way. In response to God's call, Moses gave him a number of excuses as to why he thought he was not the man for the job. And so today I want to look at some of these excuses, but more importantly, I want to look at the, the answers that God had to each of those excuses. So if you would turn with me this morning to Exodus 3.1, or you can follow along on the screen as we take a look at this part of Moses' life. It starts out, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horab, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but that it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this point, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Hivites, Jebusites, there's a lot of sites there. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign that to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. 
I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, and all those otherites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing for which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into the staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O Lord, please some." Send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. 
He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. So as we read in this scripture, we see that God had a perfect answer to every one of Moses' excuse. So let's look at some of the excuses that Moses had and see if they're not some of the same excuses that we use today. Excuse number one. Moses said, who am I, Lord, to do this? You see, Moses was unknown to Pharaoh. Egypt had a great king and a huge army. And if they wanted to to keep the Israelites there, they could have done it very easily. A long time ago, Moses was part of the royal family because he was the adopted son of the king's daughter. But now it was really quite different because Moses was a private person. He was an exile in a foreign country and just a poor shepherd. Isn't it amazing how God uses people that cannot brag on themselves for what they do when he calls them to do something? It had taken God 40 years to break Moses so that he could be used. Remember, he killed the Egyptian. He tried to do it on his own in years earlier to save his people, but it didn't work too well. Now, now at 80 years of, of age, he's ready to do that. Yet, Moses still says, but who am I to do this, Lord? God's response to this was quick. And it should have been enough. God told Moses he would be with him to encourage him and strengthen him and to protect him. As we're told in in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Some of us use that same excuse today. Who am I, Lord, to do what you're asking me to do? We try to excuse ourselves by saying that we are insufficient for the task which on our own we are insufficient, but with God's power we can do anything. Through Jesus, uh, through Jesus, God has given us the assurance, the same assurance that he gave Moses. He has promised that he'll always be with us and never forsake us, and that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Excuse number two. Moses says, but what shall I say, Lord? Moses doesn't know how he's going to convince the children of Israel that he is God's ambassador. He's afraid and and not sure what to say when they ask him questions about who sent him. God tells Moses what to say in response to that question. He says, if they ask you who sent you, tell them my name is Jehovah. I am that I am. I am has sent you. The name of God that Moses was used to uh, was uh, expresses here is the absolute and unchanging and eternal being of God. I think we use the same excuse as, as Moses did in our own lives. Many times we're afraid to witness to someone or to share the gospel because we're afraid we're going to get asked questions that we cannot answer. We use the excuse that we don't know the Bible well enough to, to uh, answer a question. And when in re- reality, it's our own personal story or testimony 
that it's the best way to share the gospel with others. If someone happens to ask you a question that you cannot answer, you can always say, you know, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to it, but let me, let me visit with someone that knows the Bible better than I do, and I'll get back with you. Or another option is just to say, you know, that's a great question. I don't know the answer, but maybe we can sit down together and, and uh, look and see if we can find the answer in the Bible. So a couple different things that we can do. It's, it's never a problem of not knowing the answer. None of us know all the answers. Excuse number three. Moses said, suppose they will not believe me. So now that he, he knows what to say, his next excuse is, well, so what if they don't believe me? Maybe he's afraid of failing. The Lord has told him again that he would be with him. I think Moses was afraid that the people would not believe that God had appeared to him through the burning bush. He wants to know how he's going to convince the children of Israel that God really did speak to him and had sent, sent him to be their ambassador. God responded by giving Moses the power to perform miracles. The rod which turned into a snake and his own hand which turned leprous and then became whole again. And then eventually the water that he turned in uh, to blood. And haven't we all hesitated to share that gospel for that same reason? Suppose they won't believe us? I know I, I have. There's been times when I just felt like somebody knew more than I knew, and, and just so I just said, well, I'll let somebody else do that. The fear of failure keeps us from trying. But just as God gave Moses convincing proof, he also has given us evidence necessary to convince people. The word of God is able to produce faith. Romans ten seventeen says, So faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. Our job is just to share the good news and let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work. Excuse number four. Moses said, but Lord, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses seems to ignore the miracle that God had performed in front of his eyes and is still unwilling to do what God asked him to do. He comes up with another excuse after all the others have been sufficiently answered. Moses says that he's not eloquent, meaning that he was not a man of his words who could speak well or make fine speeches in front of the king's court. But God is not moved by this excuse. He knows the inability of those he calls and can make up for anyone's shortcomings. Again, he promises to be with Moses and arranges for Aaron to be Moses' mouthpiece who arrives at precisely the right time. Do we hold back today because of our speech or accent? I know I have. There's been many times when I felt my southern redneck lingo just wasn't good enough to talk to some highfalutin folks with a bunch of initials behind their names. But in reality, we all put our pants on the same way and we're all equal in God's eyes. So if he's putting it on our heart to share the gospel with someone, we need to put our trust in him that he's going to give us the words to, that we need to say. So now we've heard four excuses that have been offered by Moses. Who am I? What shall I say? 
What if they don't believe me and I don't speak well? But the true reason is revealed in his final excuse. Excuse number five. Moses pleaded, oh, Lord, please send someone else. That was my plea earlier this morning. (laughs) Bottom line is Moses didn't want to go. He didn't want to do it. Could the previous excuses just be a smokescreen? Does this show Moses' lack of faith in God? I think Moses was trying to say, send a person more qualified than me. I know lots of times I feel there's everybody's more qualified than me. And I think we all sometimes have that feeling, and it's easy to just say, God, send somebody else that can do it better than I can. I mean, let's get real here. God, God the creator of the whole universe, picks the right person the first time. He doesn't have to go through a job interview process. He knows who he wants for the job. So when we feel he's calling us to do something, we better listen up and quit making excuses. At this point, God is starting to get a little ticked off at Moses. Exodus uh, 14 says, The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses because of the objections, excuses, and delays he made with respect to his mission and calling. The Lord was angry with Moses. Do you think maybe God is angry with us about all the excuses that we make to avoid doing what he asks? I think he probably is. Are we like Moses in that we'd rather have God pick someone else to do the job instead of us who he's calling? It's easier, it's easy to want or expect someone else to do the things that God puts on our hearts. And this reminds me of the four Christians Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was a special job to do, and that was to preach the gospel. Everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody. I don't know about you, but I resemble all those names at certain times when I know God is asking me to do something. I mean, if our boss at work asks us to do something, we, we jump at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Scott happens to be my boss. So if that's the case, why don't we do what our Heavenly Father asks without making excuses? I mean, the very one that created us, that gave his son life for us. I think that's something that we all need to work on. You know, everyone's call is different. It, it may be to preach, which is not mine, sing, uh, teach, mow, mow the grass at the church, or maybe fill communion cups, or uh, maybe it's just to share Christ's love at your workplace. For most of the week, I'm here in our little holy huddle that doesn't give me much opportunity to to share Christ with others. But fortunately, my family has a, a hay business, and that brings hundreds of people to our ranch, uh, many in the evenings and, and when I'm not here at the church. One of the things that we do there, uh, which 
kind of enables me to, to share the gospel with others is we have an honor system uh, where people can come and get their hay, uh, leave their money, pick up their change at, uh, at any time, day or night. And with hay at $11 a bale and, and hundreds of dollars in our money bag uh, on many days, uh, a lot of people that are non-Christians, it, it brings up the question to us, why in the world do you do that? You know, why do you trust people like that? And it opens that door for me to be able to uh, share my faith and, and trust that God is going to take care of our needs as, uh, as a family. So it's really, that's just one thing that, that we're able to do to, to help share that gospel to others and, to, and, and gives us an open door. And usually after the second or third time that they come, uh, believe it or not, I start hugging them. And uh, for, and it's just a relationship thing. And and uh, those of you that are regular know that I'm usually out there. And I, if you're going to come through the door, I'm probably going to grab a hold of you and hug you. And that, and it may sound weird that I'd hug my hay customers, but it's just a way that I can just be open with them and show God's love. And um, and you'd be amazed at how after a couple of times that just opens up and. And uh, it opens the door. If they don't know Christ and they start seeing and feeling love in a way that they never have before, it becomes real special for them. Forty years ago, I thought I was going to live out my life as a a farm and ranch uh, real estate broker. But God had some different plans uh, for me over the years. And uh, he led me into being a, a wilderness outfitter and a horse rancher and a professional bronze sculptor and a few other things, and but about five years ago, he called me into full-time ministry. And honestly, if if you would have told me ten years ago that I'd be standing here today, or that I would be doing weddings or funerals or whatever, I would have said you were absolutely crazy. I mean, God has a way of working in our lives that we just we. We don't believe we're qualified for. We don't believe that we can do. Or uh, so, just be open to His calling, uh, even if it's it's way past or beyond your imagination. Do I feel qualified to be here today? Absolutely not. But I do know that God will always give me the strength and the courage to do the things that I do, that He calls me to do. Maybe he's calling you to, to step up in a, in a way that you never dreamed possible. Maybe it's to serve in the kid zone downstairs or to be an usher or a greeter. Or maybe it's to start tithing for the first time and to begin trusting your finances to God. Or possibly it's to, to turn from a sin that you're dealing with or to regain the love you once had for your spouse. Or maybe... It's for the very first time to step out of your comfort zone and to share Jesus with someone you don't, that, that doesn't know him. Or maybe it's to become a hugger and help me out on Sunday mornings. As God's children, just like Moses, we all have a special calling. Not necessarily to go rescue people out of physical bondage, but to rescue the world and the bondage of sin. Mark 6.15 says, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
too often, though, we find ourselves using the same excuses as Moses did. With Moses, we know the rest of the story. He answered the call and went to Egypt. God used Moses, a man of many excuses, to deliver the children of Israel out of the Egyptian bondage. But what about you? What will the rest of your story look like? Will you answer God's calling or will you just make excuses? If you're here today and you feel God that's, is tugging on your heart, for you to do something, to step up and do something more for him, don't make excuses. You know, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. If you've never had the opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, this morning would be a beautiful morning to do that. And Scott or myself or one of the other elders would be glad to visit with you. Come down, and we'd love to talk with you about that. It'd be the best gift that you ever accepted in your life. Right now, the band is going to lead us in a an invitation time, a time where if God's placing something on your heart, come forward and give it up to him. If you just want to come, come to the front and worship your king, or if you have prayers that you need, if you need to be prayed for, or if you just want to come forward and give your life to Jesus, this is a wonderful time to do it. So let's stand and worship our King and you come as your call.